0: Hi there and thanks for joining us. A little later, the 2.5 million euro revamp of the iconic Met at the Metropole, ahead of the Jazz Weekend. But we begin with an interview with the man at the very top of AIB about Brexit, about mortgages and about how the bank owes a lot of its origins to Cork. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business.
1: Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: My guest is the chairman of a bank that, like all of them, has been through a very difficult period in recent years, but AIB has emerged in a more robust and sustainable state. The question is, what happens next for its customers? Indeed, what happens next for the bank, given the many challenges that the economy still faces? Richard Pym, chairman of AIB, thank you very much for joining us.
1: And welcome to Bank Centre, Jonathan. Good to be
0: here. Um, Your journey is an interesting one. Uh, You started in retail, but you've been in banking for how long?
1: Um, 25 years. Um, But as you say before that, I was um, in retailing in supermarkets and um, fashion retailing. But um, I must say, working at AIB, this is the most challenging job um, that I've had and the most interesting job. Over the years since you've been here, what has been
0: your experience of the Irish economy and the journey that both the bank and all of us have been on?
1: To be fair, when I joined in 2014, a lot of the hard work had already been done. Uh, My predecessor, David Hodgkinson, and the first chief executive, um, David Duffy, had done a superb job. Um, It should be said, though, there was still some stuff left to do. Um, but you know, I didn't come in at the top of the crisis, or at the bottom of the, the, uh, the crisis. A lot of the, the real hard grunt work had been done.
0: There have been real sacrifices, and there's been a tremendous amount of pain uh, that many people have undergone. But to have reached the point now where the bank is, is in good condition, mm. where you are lending again, where you are doing the things that banks are supposed to do in a 21st century way, I mean, were you surprised that the journey didn't take longer, given the low point at which it began.
1: When a bank like AIB, which is the largest bank in a small economy, will always reflect the behaviour of the economy, Um, and the recovery in Ireland has been quite exceptional because the medicine was taken and um, it was extremely painful, but the high growth rate that Ireland has achieved over the last three or four years is a reflection that that, um, medicine did work to restore the patient Um, and AIB has undoubtedly benefited from that with the business growth and the way that asset prices have increased which have um, enabled us to to sell assets in in the markets and uh, work with customers to reduce bad debts such that our non-performing exposures are now coming down to European averages and by the end of 2019 will be at the European average. So it's a reflection of the hard work at AIB and a reflection of the hard work by every citizen of the Irish Republic. It
0: it was a difficult job. When you look back on it, was there anything you would have done differently? Was there anything that you would have said, well, maybe we should have pressed that harder sooner or maybe we should have cut people more slack there?
1: Uh, It's been a very, very difficult journey. Um, and there have been all sorts of um, bumps along the way, and there have been some very stormy uh, political issues. Um, Undoubtedly, the the one area which has reflected badly on the whole of the banking community is the the tracker mortgage issue, um, which we were slow to identify, undoubtedly, and that's because there was just so much going wrong at the same time. And then it's been a very, very difficult process to actually identify the customers who have um, been um, impacted and to get them into the position they should always have have been. Um, And the number of sort of cohorts of customers and the the condition, I think we're looking at sort of 40 different customer conditions, which of course rise to some detriment on Tracker Mortgage. It's been extraordinarily complicated to... Um, identify everyone. And we've had to trawl through, I think, 600,000 mortgage accounts or, or something like that to actually find everyone who, who's in, impacted. We have to look through closed accounts as, as well as active ones. So, I mean, that is the one thing which I think we have been really disappointed we couldn't deal with earlier and quicker. But it's just been an enormous manual task.
0: Are you on top of it now? Do you think yes. you've gotten everybody?
1: Well, um, we 've paid out more than ninety nine percent of everyone we we know has has been impacted but the the, the, the position we 've adopted all the way along is that we just keep looking um, and in a sense if we find another group. That's not bad, that's good, because we found them. And, uh, and every time we get a customer complaint in, we look at the root cause analysis and we see whether you know, there is a more generic problem rather than that single customer issue. And in that
0: way, has the bank learned to listen more? Because the, the challenge was that people were saying this is an issue, not just in relation to the tracker, but all the other issues, the, the myriad of other issues that mm. are there. And because of the bunker mentality, because you would effectively mm. lost so much money, we're now in state control that some things just weren't being taken seriously. Mm. Are you back to being a listening bank now? Well-
1: I hope so, but, I mean, I'm sure people will say we don't listen enough. Uh, and I, you know, these, these are very complicated organizations. But, um, I mean, recently we had a case where a couple of complaints... Uh, we looked at the root cause, and that did it, identify some interest calculation errors, which we, we, we put right immediately. And it is by looking at customer complaints that, that we learn.
0: And does that come to the chairman's desk? Does, yes, that, well, does yes. that reach Richard yes. Pym, somebody yes. who yes. feels if it hasn't been taken seriously, It, it does actually it, get as far as this office?
1: It, all these matters reach the board, um, and I would much rather I heard it quickly and then I didn't hear it, and the sooner we hear these things, we put it right. Now, we, we do try and be a listening bank.
0: It's not a charitable organisation, nor whatever you expect it to be, but it, it reflects the economy as a rule. So the economy has gotten better, so there's more lending. You've got more money coming in, which means you can do more with it. And yes, the economy is doing well at the moment.
2: Mm.
0: I, what, are the, what are the concerns you have? What are you looking to on the horizon as being the something? that could threaten the growth projection Mm. for AIB.
1: Those two areas which went dramatically wrong in 2008, commercial real estate loans and mortgages, are now much better controlled than they were. So the current dangers are obviously we've expanded a lot in Ireland, um, but there's nothing to say that asset prices are over-egged at the moment. Though we are closer to the top than we were, so we have to be... Very cautious now about asset pricing, and there 's some indication there 's moderation in house price growth in the particularly in the east of the country. So the two big threats now are external: you have got the Trump tariffs and the potential disruption to world trade and obviously Ireland is a very open economy, and you know, any reduction in global trade will affect um, the irish economy and then even closer to home, we have the problem of Brexit in the United Kingdom, and a lot of Irish trade is with the United Kingdom, and obviously there is a geographic border um, with with the United Kingdom. Now one would expect that common sense might prevail at some stage. Um, there's no sign of that at the moment, um, but one must be hopeful um, that within the British system Um, something might come right at some stage.
0: Do you honestly believe that? Because there are very few who think that common sense is going to prevail. If anything, they seem to be careering towards the cliff in anticipation of it being there and knowing what's going to happen.
1: And obviously there are some people for whom jumping over the cliff seems to be something they they might enjoy, and you can't um, rule that out. One would hope, though, that common sense might prevail, and if the British Prime Minister... um, in a sense has a very difficult set of cards to play at the end of the day she will have to accept what the european union offers her and her government because um, the british don't have any negotiating strength in these um negotiations but, but of course when the, the united kingdom is very small compared to the european union it, it, it is like the um, um you know the little mouse fighting the, the elephant you know it, it, you know, it it's not going to be a fair contest. But
0: many people but, in, in your native country don't see it that way.
1: No, no. But, and, but of course that um, small part of the European Union, that, that is the United Kingdom, is of course much bigger than Ireland. Um, but Ireland is supported by the, all of the EU 27 and the fact the EU 27 are so tightly bound um, gives Ireland, I think, a, a lot of comfort that they'll get support from the, the, um, that we will get support from the European Union.
0: Do you accept that Brexit is going to happen, that this is a thing and that companies need to prepare
1: for it? We um, compile a Brexit sentiment. AIB produces a Brexit um, sentiment index and uh, the vast majority of of companies in Ireland do not have a Brexit plan. Um, And um, Brexit is probably going to happen. Um, there is always a chance that in the political maelstrom that is the United Kingdom, that something might have happened in the House of Commons whereby theresa may 's eventual proposals are are voted down. So I think you mustn 't anticipate anything because anything could happen um, um, but uh, I think we would be we are planning within the bank for a, a soft Brexit, but quite prepared if there is a hard one. But let's say that um, Brexit takes out a, a couple of percent of Irish GDP growth, Ireland's um, GDP growth. You now, the country is growing four, five, six percent. it's, it's very hard to measure because of the, the, the multinational companies here. But Ireland will probably still have growth at, at, at the end of it. The problem will be in the United Kingdom, which has very little growth at the moment, the contraction in the economy will be immediate. Um, we already know that the, some of the car plants are closing in April for their summer maintenance, and you know, what state they'll be in at the end it, in, it, in it, terms if, of... If a manager
0: here were sitting in this room, he would say, that is project fear. That won't happen. Britain will stand well, its Well, it's not
1: project it. fear, because they've said they are closing in April. <laughs> I mean, they have already announced. And the workers are going to be paid, but they're not going to be building cars. And, of course, they will then come to the end of April and see what their parts supply is like and how many of them are parked up Outside the Port of Calais, um, and uh, you know when you see a country like the United Kingdom preparing the motorways of Kent to be um, a, um, a car park where they 're stockpiling food and stockpiling medicines um, you 've got to think that this is a very strange way to run a modern um, economy.
0: Can I ask you about some of the other challenges that are out there? You touched on housing, you touched on, on the issue of mortgages. When you look at the mortgage book now, you are restricted in what you can give out uh, Mm. by the central bank. So people can come and 20 years ago, not a problem, here's your mortgage, now more of a challenge. Some are finding that very frustrating. What do you say to them, Rich?
1: It's all to do with financial discipline. Um, And um, people do have to save a deposit for their house now. Um, The bank won't lend um, 100% of the value of um, the bank, but that is... No bad thing if people have to save up for their deposit. The problem, of course, is that house prices in some parts of the country are are very high. And that is a supply problem. Builders will say, well, we'd love to
0: build. We'd absolutely mm. love it. We've got all these people ready to buy properties. The bank won't give us enough money. It's not worth our
1: while. Oh, well, that comes back to what I said at the very be- beginning. We won't provide equity. We will provide loans based on security. But we can't, you know, the security has to be a guarantee that there will be something there is a, an asset at the end which is is valuable and um we have to remain prudent See, everyone blames aib for having been prolific in its lending 15 years ago, now we're being blamed for not being prolific enough. Now, so I think you've got to give us a break. That we are trying to find some sort of middle ground and being a responsible bank. The problem is getting equity into the real estate market for for um, developers, but it is beginning to grow. I mean that the housing supply is increasing, but is still short of the 30,000-plus-a-year that we actually need.
0: I know you've been to Cork recently, and you've actually met with some SMEs who are customers of the bank and, and met with others down there. What is the landscape right now for businesses that are the lifeblood of the Irish economy, those employing 5 to 20 people who are have been struggling, have found it <clears throat> difficult, now look at Brexit, look at all the other issues that are out there and go, good God, what's happening next? What, what is the landscape like?
1: I mean, if you... I mean, the plans for Cork are very exciting in terms of the population growth expected up to 2040. And there's, there's a, I think it's a 300,000, was it 400,000 um, population expected by, by 2040. to be I mean, more than doubling of the, of the city population. I think that's, those are the sort of numbers that we're, we're talking about, which requires a massive increase in housing supply. Um, but if you look at Cork, it has the great asset of the second largest natural harbour in the world. Um, 100 million being invested in the port, a new container port, uh, the ability to, um, the movement of that container port generates development sites in the centre of the town, um, very good communications, um, the ability to expand the port into manufacturing op- operation, um, and you can see the huge potential that Cork has. Um, and um, it could be exciting for everyone. Um, At the root of allied Irish banks is the Munster Bank, Um, and um, in November next month we'll be in Cork for our board strategy days. SMEs are at the heart of the AIB business, and they're at the heart of the Irish economy. It is the entrepreneurship of the SME economy, which drives drives Ireland. Uh, It's a very entrepreneurial sector. We are the leading bank in that area. Um, and it's something we know well, and just linking SMEs with um, Brexit, we've got a team of Brexit advisors who are available to discuss with SMEs um, their plans for Brexit, if it's appropriate, to um, their business, obviously. So it is an important sector, um, and um, Cork is a very important part. Of, um, of the AIB business and we're delighted to be lending into the port of Cork with the EIB European Investment Bank and others to um, support that um, development.
0: When you're going back into the <clears throat> monster branch which would have been all about tellers and, and hmm. cash uh, cash desks and everything like that is it a case that you, there's a massive drive to get rid of humanity from banking or is it always going to be the case that we'll have humans <coughs> on the floor
1: there are still 10,000 human beings um work in these parts um so there's there's uh, there's plenty of humans around but the vast majority of our transactions are now done digitally um um Forget the numbers, but it's something like 60% of uh, mobile of personal loan applications come in on mobile devices now. Something, something like that. I can't give you the exact number. But it's what the customer chooses to do. But even the most advanced digital companies like Apple still have a retail presence. Um, and they're massively ahead of where we are in terms of customer self-service. So, yeah, we will keep a human face to the bank as long as customers want a human face. But sometimes a human face just takes a little while longer and doing it yourself is a whole lot lot quicker and cheaper. So customers have a choice how they deal with us. We will follow the demands of the customer. But we must digitise the bank because it's cheaper, more accurate, customers like it um, and we have to modernize the way in which we work because modern business is very different to you know how people functioned 10 years ago the way that people collaborate the way they use telephones have changed you know Skype for business you know on on our desktops here you know it's it, it an incredibly much more efficient way that people work and we must recognize that and be at the leading edge Of how people work in a large institution and collaborate together.
0: Richard Pym, Chairman of Allied Irish Bank, AIB, as it is forever known now. Thank you so much for joining us on Red Business.
1: Great pleasure to talk to you. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.
0: Now on Red Business, we have moved back to the Metropole Hotel in the heart of Cork City because we are barrelling towards the biggest weekend of entertainment that Cork has to offer. I'm talking about the Jazz Festival. It's in its 41st year, and this building will, as always, be its home. Roger Russell is the General Manager here at the Metropole, and we're in the new Met, uh, the bar and the restaurant, which is going to be hopping in a couple of weeks' time, Roger.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Forty first Jazz Festival started back here in nineteen seventy eight. It's a four day event. Uh, kicks off about five o'clock on the Friday afternoon, and we've live entertainment inside in our new in our new restaurant, the Met, um, which is which is a fantastic place. You really need to come in and check it out. You know, four four different areas, very distinct, um, beautiful restaurant, beautiful bar, beautiful snug area, tea rooms. It'll be fantastic. We're really looking forward to it.
0: You have done a great job on um, what used to be just a bar where there was food served and you've completely transformed what is the centerpiece of an old building. It's been a a, a difficult task, I'd imagine, at times, has it?
2: Yeah, well, look, it, it's lovely to see the transition. I suppose back in the day, they were, they, were, they were retail units and there was a jeweler there, there was a sweet shop and it's been a bar now for, for quite a while um and it was it was known as the the met tavern once upon a time so what we've done is that we've we've actually created a restaurant and a bar so instead of it just being a bar that serves food as you said it's a restaurant with a distinct identity with a very a very very nice menu um, and a bar that has its own distinct identity as well There. are they kind of share the same space but they're decorated completely differently, the colour schemes are different, the scent in the room is different, the music is different, It two completely different experiences.
0: When you do a big revamp like this, the pressure is on to get people to start coming in because you have a new offering. How have people been responding
2: since you changed it all around? The feedback has been phenomenal. People are really, really, really positive about it. Um, it's, we're getting busier every day. It's, it's fabulous. We're delighted.
0: Um, in terms of the spend, I think it's €2.5 million Euro you've spent on refurbing the hotel. This is the first kind of jazz weekend since you've put that money in. Are people going to notice that difference when they walk through the door? Obviously, everyone's coming. They've heard the music. They head straight for the bar, mm-hmm. the different bars that will be located around the building. But are they going to have see it at definite change uh, in this the 41st year of the Jazz Festival
2: well I suppose you know as you said we, we've spent two and a half million we've refurbished all our bedrooms we've refurbished all the bedroom corridors so people who are coming in to enjoy the Jazz Festival they're not going to see that unless they're actually staying in the hotel but once they come in through the doors of of the met um, they'll see that it's it's completely different. The, we've taken out the old bar counter there was a, a horseshoe bar counter in there and we put in a straight counter now. So there's a lot more room inside in the bar. Um, you know, we've gotten rid of the old wooden furniture and it, it has a beautiful marble counter and beautiful marble tables inside there now as well. So uh, from that point of view, yes, they are they are going to see a big change. Um, and then you know we've changed up the offering this year we've this will be the first year that we're launching our jazz lounge and that is a, it's an intimate jazz venue is probably the best way to put it where you can go in um, and you sit down in in a small venue it, it'll only take 35 to 40 people um, and part of it is that you have a beautiful beautiful surroundings intimate venue as i said um, we serve a charcuterie board and oysters to your table and there'll be a bottle of champagne included in the package as well.
0: So that's that's going to appeal to the purists. I mean, I'd imagine if you really, really, really love jazz, because most people like jazz, but those who really love jazz are probably turned off by a lot of the huge heaving events that are around. So you're really appealing to the core group there, the, the guys who would have started this all those years ago.
2: Yeah, and, and, and that's it. It, it is... It can be very off putting to the people who really love jazz and they just want to come in and sit down and listen to good, good jazz as opposed to the um, the more the more popular bands where that would attract the, the crowds in the ballroom where it's all standing. And, you know, what we're trying to do is just open up a little bit more to, to those people and provide something that they want to do because that's the feedback that we got back over the last couple of years where people want to go in, they want to sit down, they want to listen to music in a nice, relaxed environment. And, you know, we're going to provide table service to these tables as well. And afterwards you know when when the first because there's two gigs there's one at 8 and the next one is at 10 and then afterwards you know they have access then to to the late night bands that are going to be playing in the ballroom and and the Vance Suite, so it it's all there. Yeah, I mean, there's literally something for everybody uh, across that weekend uh, here and indeed right around the city.
0: But th- there's actually four nights because traditionally in my head the jazz would always be finished on a Sunday afternoon that everyone kind of has grudgingly goes back to work and and forgets about. It. But you're actually going to keep going this year. We're going to be going into the Monday as well. Yeah, we always have to be honest. Um, see, that was I'm too hard working. I never even
2: realised that there was an option for the Monday, but it's always been on the Monday. Oh yeah, it has. Yeah, it's always been for the monday i suppose this goes back to um i suppose it it goes back to when it started off first the the monday night became the the industry night so to speak uh, where um you know the bars and the restaurants around cork they would have been flat out for the weekend and these venues mostly didn't have entertainment on the monday night um, but there was always entertainment in the metropole on the monday night so everybody came to the met on monday Okay. Well, Roger, have a great weekend. It runs uh, from the 26th to the
0: 29th. There's lots of packages available. Uh, if, what, if people have a look online, even if it's not for the Jazz Weekend, come in and have a look at the Met Bar and Restaurant because it, it's definitely a big change in what was here before and an improvement as well. Roger Russell, for now, uh, General Manager of the Metropole Hotel. Thank you for joining us in Red Business.
2: Thanks, Jonathan. See you then.
0: My thanks to both Roger and to Richard. Don't forget, every episode of Red Business is on iTunes and on the website, redfm.ie. Niamh Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one.
1: The only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business.